This is Sick and Wrong, America's number one source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by the Reach Around Foundation. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. One of your hosts, D. Simon. I'm your other host, who hasn't been gone for three weeks, Lance Wackerly. You may remember me. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Lance. Um, I'm back. I have finally returned from my cruise. I've, I've returned with all my limbs fully intact. I was not beheaded. Right. My whole living will was for naught. And uh, yeah. A huge waste of time. It was a huge waste of time. And uh, yeah, I made it back in one piece. And after a three-week-long vacation, and uh, that's why I brought back some absinthe for us to drink here tonight. Cheers. Cheers. We should drink a little bit of this. Should we not be talking about this? It's it contraband. Well, no, that's that's kind of one of the things I wanted to bring back for uh, Sick and Wrong here. Let me do a quick shot of this. Oh, my God, it's oh, horrible. Jesus, it's awful. It's awful. But no, uh, when I was in Greece, this was the... Ah, Jesus, dude, it tastes like cough syrup mixed, mixed with turd wrapped in burnt hair. And some bleach thrown in. Ah. No, and the uh, well, I, the the cruise ended in Greece and Athens, and and I happened upon this liquor store that was selling absinthe, real absinthe from Prague, and I was like, "Yeah, I gotta buy this." So I brought back like two bottles of it, and I was worried that customs was gonna search my bag and confiscate it. But I was thinking, you didn't you shove know, the bottles up your rectum? No, I, I didn't. I I didn't have to uh, cheek them, but I was thinking that uh, you know if I bring back one bottle and they're they're gonna take the one bottle, so I might as well bring back two. You know, I mean, because they'll just take two. So that's why I brought back this uh, absinthe here, and they didn't even end up searching my bags, which is pretty cool. This absinthe is red for some reason. The yeah, they, they have green. red and green. I think green is the regular absinthe. But uh, but you, you know what's funny? It's like we, to us, this is like, you know, considered this, this novelty. I mean, this is something that we never get. It's a rarity to have absinthe here because yeah. it's illegal in this country. But in Europe, it's like no big deal. They don't give a fuck. Right. Like, they're just kind of like, oh, it's absinthe. It's yeah, like, who cares? Like peppermint schnapps or something over there. Well, like, I, I went out and I found this bottle and I was carrying it around with me because I'm, like, all excited about it. And everyone's just kind of like, oh, big deal, dude. We have absinthe everywhere, you know? <laughs> well, I don't understand why why you have that big erection. Do people, I mean, is it something that normal people drink or is it considered to be, like, low class, like drinking a ripple or something? You know, I really can't say for sure, but I didn't see it in any of the bars. I just saw it at a liquor store. So I think mm. it's a novelty even there. Yeah. I mean, I'm really. But, dude, it was a hell of a cruise. Um, by the way, I want to, you know, I listened to the two podcasts that uh, you and P-Town did. I want to thank P-Town for coming in here and being such a, uh, a great guest host. I he never really did a good job, that guy. He did. I never mentioned, and maybe people figured it out on their own, that he's the, uh, he's the voice at the beginning of the show. Yeah, P-Town actually recorded the intro, the sick and wrong intro. He actually has some broadcasting uh, education. Well, he background. and I, he and I used to do that uh, metal radio show for years. Right. And that, that's the thing with P-Town. He's got this, like, natural-born radio voice. I mean, he really does. Like, I sound like a nasally, whiny Jew. But P-Town comes across as, like, a waspy, you know, Pat, you know, uh, what's his name? Bill O'Reilly. Right. <laughs> exactly. History's greatest <laughs> broadcaster. But no, I'd like to thank P-Town for coming in here and doing such an exemplary job. You know, and, 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 bo and both the podcasts. And he even added pictures. Right. We'll God, see if we amazing. can figure that out without him. It'll be interesting. But yeah, it, it, was, it was a long vacation. I learned a lot. 
So uh, I'll, I'll just kind of give you a brief summation because I don't well, want to go into can I, it. Can I ask something? Some people are confused, and I think maybe it's partly my fault, so I want to rectify the situation. Was rectify. it a Was it a Jews cruise? Was it all Jews on the cruise ship? You know, I, I did notice in our – I was checking the Sick and Wrong podcast at Hotmail email address, and I did notice a number of anti-Semites were sending in here like, oh, uh, you know, nice Jew cruise, Jew. And I was thinking, okay, it wasn't a Jew cruise. I don't even know if they have Jew cruises. Maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, because I thought about it. Well, if you like, think about it, it would just be a spectacle, a whole, an entire cruise ship full of Jewish people. It would just be just really weird. Just bitching about everything yeah. and, and trying to, like, beat Palestinians with hammers. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, dude. It, it wasn't, no, it wasn't like that. It was, okay, so my father's a rabbi. And what he does is he he's a retired rabbi, and a lot of retired rabbis do the cruise ship circuit. So they do he's out cruises. To yeah, he's out to pasture. He's out to stud. <laughs> he's a he's a retired rabbi. So they do the cruise ship circuit for the Jewish holidays. So we right. went on a Rosh Hashanah cruise, which is the Jewish New Year, and uh, he was the chaplain for the Jewish passengers. And they're really well, yeah. Maybe... But see, now you're you're uh, perpetuating this myth. It wasn't a Rosh Hashanah cruise. It was a cruise, and he that, did Rosh Hashanah right, services that, for that the Jewish passengers. Rosh yeah. Hashanah, so they needed a, a, a Jew rabbi there. Yeah, to I cater mean, to like the five Jews on board. Exactly. It's not a, it's not a boat full of Jews. Dude, there were like twenty five hundred people on this ship, and maybe ten Jews. There isn't like a giant menorah on the top of yeah. the thing instead of smokestacks. No, it, it wasn't like that at all. But um, so yeah, so he Make gets for to go. A better story he if get, it was. But. Yeah, they, I, I might have actually even. Well, got, I might have here. even gotten laid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm circumcised twice, and they like that. But uh, no, I, we were on this uh, this cruise, and there are like 2,500 people. It's a huge cruise line. It's called the uh, Norwegian Sky or Norwegian Jewel or something like that. Yeah, the ship was, there was a lot massive. Of death metal, death metal uh, bands on. No board? black metal bands. Black at all. Black metal, sorry. But they were playing Turbo Negro like the whole time. <laughs> now, actually. Uh, I wanted to go over a few things I learned during this cruise here. These Just are, a few this things. Is, this is Dee's travelogue the, the, from these the are cruise my notes. that was not all Jews, so, but here are the notes. Number one, okay, so let me tell you the itinerary here of the cruise. It started in Istanbul, Turkey. Flew to, from New York to Istanbul. Left Istanbul, that's where he picked up the cruise, went to Izmir, Turkey. They went to a number of Greek islands like uh, Mykonos, a bunch of other smaller islands. Then we went to Egypt, and then we went, ended up in uh, Greece. So that's that's where the cruise went. But um, what I did learn on this cruise ship is that the cruise was actually only 12 days. The entire trip was like three weeks because we spent like a week in Istanbul and a week in, uh, in, uh, in, in Greece. But cruises are fucking boring. I swear to God, dude. <clears throat> because you can't leave the boat or just there's nothing to do? or There's nothing to do. And seriously, the median age on these cruises is probably 68. Because on the love boat, that show, I mean, everybody was getting it on and getting drunk, and everybody is like, you know, between 25 and 35. It looks Com pretty fun. Completely misleading. I mean, I, I, that's kind of what I had. Like, in, in my mind, I anticipated, like, oh, dude, I'm going to be hooking up left and right with the staff, all these hot chicks. Hanging out with you Isaac know? at the bar. Yeah, just like Isaac pouring me drinks at the bar, calling up Gopher, being like, hey, Gopher. Well, go get Captain Stoopy. Let's get some bitches. But no, it wasn't like that at all, dude. Seriously. It was like... No celebrities were on the boat with you? <laughs> the, the only ass that me and my uh, father were able to pull was this like 68-year-old woman with a walker. And I don't know if you've ever tried to double-team a girl in a walker. It's like... I mean, she keeps moving forward while I'm behind her. And my father, 
you know, is in front of her getting a blowjob, and it's... No, I'm joking. I'm, you gotta put I'm those, not even going to go with this. <laughs> that's why you got to put those tennis balls on the bottom of the walker so it, the skid, to stop it skid from moving. pads. No, yeah. but seriously, dude. I, I mean, being like 30 years old, I was like one of the youngest passengers on that cruise. It's, yeah. just, it's weird for me to feel young. So it's just boring. It's just old people. Were the old people pinching your cheeks and stuff? No, they're playing shuffleboard. Oh, you little 30-year-old. <laughs> it's just like all these old people, and it's like all they really do... It's just a vessel for people to shove food in their mouth. And then they get diarrhea. Yeah. Because everyone on that cruise gets diarrhea. I mean, everyone did. As Where does it all go? Does it just... The diarrhea? Yeah, the toilets. Where When they flush, does it go into a giant tank? Or does it yeah. just wash out to sea? Funny you should ask that, Wackerly. I noticed, because I was a little worried. My father, every time he comes to my house, comes to my sister's house, my brother's house, clogs up our toilet. I don't know if it's because of the amount of fiber he gets in his diet from eating like all that Jewish food, or what exactly it is, but you can't clog the toilet on the ships. And I was worried about that because we're sharing this tiny little cabin. And I was thinking, You mean Dude, you can't because it's impossible? Or it's, if you did, it's like it a, would suck? No, it's like a toilet on an airplane. It's like a vacuum Oh, it's suck. got the vacuum thing. Yeah, so nice. I mean, yeah. Anything, Why can't we have those in our homes? I don't know. I mean, I guess you'd have like to have a, a huge septic technology. tank or something. Yeah, so I, I imagine, like, I mean, everyone used these things, which is a godsend because, yeah, but that cabin would have just reeked. But yeah, I mean, everyone on that cruise must have had diarrhea like five times, and they and they have an epi- it's like an epidemic on these cruise ships. So they make you they have like this cleaning solution Every, everywhere you go. You're supposed to wash your hands, you know. I mean, I mean they're really Purell, no, they're really about? meticulous. But yeah, they have Purell like little Purell dispenses dispensaries everywhere, and it's wow. like they want you to like wash your hands. They want to try to make you know make it as as clean of an environment as possible. But still, everyone gets diarrhea. Yeah, I mean, dude, my my father got diarrhea like. Probably twelve times, and That's I was gonna I was gonna get into this. This is one of the uh, second. This is my second point. So cruise ships number one. Cruise ships are really boring. Number two, cruise ships give you diarrhea. And my father had diarrhea like at least twelve times, but two in particular were horrible. Like seriously, horrible traumatic circumstances. Well, before, before you get into the really horrible circumstances, though. I should point out, you guys didn't have separate rooms. You you shared one of these tiny cruise ship rooms. A tiny cabin with and like two the beds. the toilet is basically, the door to the bathroom is right next to your head when you're sleeping. So you just, you're well, kind of just enveloped in your dad's ass juice. Well, that's what I was worried about, was that, uh, you know, the whole place was going to smell. But with the vacuum suck oh, thing, okay. it actually didn't, right. you know, the smell wasn't, you know, overbearing. But, yeah, the fact that my father kept getting diarrhea was definitely um, a complication on the cruise. And, yeah, like, I don't even want to get into this whole story, but my father shit himself twice. Like, shit his pants. Like, soiled his pants twice. Didn't, didn't quite make it to the vacuum toilet. And my, and my father's not that old. He's not an incontinent old man, which I imagine a lot of the people on the cruise were. It's the water. It's the water. You drink water in, like, Turkey... And it gives you diarrhea because you're not used to digesting that type of water. Yeah, it's not dirty water. It's just they have like different microbial cultures in their pipes than we have them over here too. But you're used to the ones here. You're not used to the ones over there. And they just get into your stomach and your body does not know what to do. And the thing is though, what what I didn't understand. Other than to just turn on the water works. Well, what I didn't, what I didn't understand was that, you know, I got diarrhea a couple times myself, but it's like. I'm able to, like, you know, hold my sphincter shut and make it to a bathroom where I can relieve myself. Whereas, like, for some odd reason, my father soiled his pants twice. <laughs> how, how does that happen? How does it happen once, but how does it happen twice, I ask you? Well, did you rub his face in it the first time? <laughs> <laughs> 
I dipped his yarmulke in it and I was like, dad, bad rabbi. No, you know, I don't know. It, it was actually quite embarrassing. It was quite funny. I, they, I wasn't even embarrassed. I just thought it was kind of hilarious. The first time it happened uh, was on uh, the island in Mykonos, which is a Greek island, kind of a famous island. It's, um, yeah, in the Mediterranean Sea. It's, it's also like a very upscale, luxurious kind of resort island where they have like, you know, all these shops like Versace, Prada stores. They have like big clubs there. It's a big resort. So it's like Europeans, wealthy Europeans from all over Europe, uh, all over the world over there. And uh, yeah, my dad shits himself. And what's funny about it is the town, Mykonos, is like one of those stereotypical Greek islands where everything's white and the doors are blue. <clears throat> that is until my dad got there. But yeah, it was a the brown it, streak, as well, he will be known henceforth. <laughs> There's like just this brown line. So, I mean, we didn't get lost. We could just follow that back to the boat. Yeah. But no, what happened is we're walking around and uh, my dad, like all of a sudden, is like, I've got to find a bathroom. And I was like, uh, why? He's like, I have to find a bathroom. I'm like, okay, we'll find a bathroom. We're looking around and it's like, you know, clock's ticking. You know, suddenly I'm just like, you know, the pressure's on. And we're looking around. We finally find this internet cafe. And before my dad could even get up the stairs to go to that bathroom, it's coming down his leg, dude. And he's wearing khaki pants. That was the worst part about it. That was the worst part about it. So, so what did you do? You took him back to the boat? Well, no, he's in there for like 20 minutes, washing himself, you know, trying to clean himself off. And oh, he, we, did the, he did the field triage. Well, wouldn't you? I mean, it's like damage control, that yeah, situation. Yeah, I would, I would. I mean, at that point. But if you can't, sometimes you can't even find any place to do the field triage, and you just have to just... You know, stiff leg it back to wherever you have to go. Dude, it was running down his leg. It was awful. And so it's so he takes care of it. He leaves, and I'm just kind of like, uh, dear dad, Jesus. I mean, it's like his whole pants were just stained. I mean, it was even on his shoes. And I was just like, oh, God, dad, you know what? Did you, you know, did you throw your underwear away? And he's like, no, no. I was thinking well, we should go get some Tide. I'm like, Tide? It's like, okay, all right, whatever. Maybe he's going to wash his pants or something. I don't know. Detergent. We, yeah. Well, anyway, needless to say, we did go back to the boat. So we're only in Mykonos for, you know, maybe half an hour. We get back to the boat, and I was just disgusted by this point because it kind of smelled. It was pretty gross. So I'm walking around, you know, I was like, I was just giving him some time to clean himself off. I get back to the room. I look in the, I look in the bathroom, go to the bathroom, and there's my dad's shitty underwear. Like, he had washed him in the sink, the sink that we brush our teeth in. He washed him in the sink. Did you find the Tide, or did he just rinse them? No, he, like, used Tide and was washing him in the sink. But, I mean, he didn't no get the bleach. stain out. No bleach, No though. bleach. There's, like, shitty underwear hanging where the towels go. Yeah, underwear is pretty cheap in the modern age. Exactly. I don't know what, what it's like when your dad was younger or something. Maybe there was an underwear shortage. Dude, I was livid. shortage. Seriously, I was livid. I was just like, Dad, what what the fuck is this? And he's like, what? It's my underwear. I'm like, Dad, you don't hang your shitty underwear. When you shit yourself, you throw your underwear away. Yeah. Isn't that what you do? That's a rule. Yeah, it's a rule. <laughs> I mean, it's a rule of thumb. You shit yourself, you throw your underwear away. Even if you could clean them, they're kind of cursed underwear. You never want to be wearing them again. It's the underwear you asking, wore when you shit yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's asking for another incident to it's happen. Like, it's like a permanent reminder. And so I was like, I just grabbed it. Like, you know, I kind of picked it up with my uh, index finger, my thumb, and just kind of threw it in the trash. And I was like, Dad, you throw that away. So my dad went and grabbed them out of the trash and was just like, no, I'll bring them home and I'll wash them with bleach. And I was like, Jesus, Dad, I'll give you five dollars. Here, I'll give you ten dollars. Buy two new pairs of underwear. Right. Instead, he just wouldn't. So I was like, put them in a bag, put them in your suitcase, and take care of them when you're home. But I do not want to have to see that again. 
And then, like, about a week later, so he shit himself <laughs> again. No, seriously, dude. I, I don't know. So that led me to my, my, uh, he was my next wearing conclusion. that pair again. Well, it it's led me to my luck. next conclusion that uh, cruise ships give you diarrhea. Wasn't and that I, conclusion two? That's conclusion two. Yeah, <laughs> conclusion two is cruise ships give you diarrhea. Conclusion well, we get to the third one. Yeah, fast, conclusion three is uh, Egypt is a third world shithole, and I don't recommend you going over there. I know people want to go over there to see like the uh, you know seven wonders of the world or whatever the you know the pyramids and the yeah. Sphinx. Yeah, they're pretty so, famous. I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. You but gotta you go, go there, to Egypt if you want to see them. But but you go, it's just not worth it. You can't even get a good picture. I mean, there's like beggars, street urchins, one-armed little children running around trying to steal your wallet, steal your camera. There's this, I mean, they, they try to grab you and drag you on top of their camels so they can lead you out in the desert and charge you 100 euros to get back. Wow. Yeah. And, and seriously, I mean, from what we saw of Cairo, it, it was just a rundown slum city. I mean, maybe downtown Cairo might be a little more upscale or something, but I would not walk around by myself in Cairo. Well, I guess we can kiss that Egyptian tourism board sponsorship goodbye. Yeah, I, I think I pretty much ruined that. But I mean, I'll post a couple of good pictures with what, what I took in uh, what I took in Egypt. But I guess um, one of the tours that they had through the cruise ships, a lot, a lot of people took tours from the cruise ship itself. I mean, you could get tours on land. But I wouldn't trust any of those Egyptians to like take me somewhere on their camel because from what <laughs> from our experience, you just didn't want to deal with it. So that most people like arrange their tours from the ship. Yeah. I guess uh, you could take an overnight tour in Cairo. Everyone that went on that overnight tour, diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, uh, Egypt gives you diarrhea. That's conclusion number three. Finally, finally here, conclusion number four: Greek chicks are beautiful. Greek women, beautiful. Yeah, Hands everybody, down. everybody knew that already. I, I didn't know that. Have you ever been to Athens? No. You know, it reminded me of Madrid, Spain. When I went to Madrid with uh, P-Town, I noticed I was going to redub that city, No Fat Chicks. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to call it, just No Fat Chicks. Yeah. And that's exactly how Athens was, No Fat Chicks. Do any of these girls talk to you? No, no, none of them did. I, I noticed um, being like... Do they uh, talk to any Americans or just not you in particular? Well, I figured, you know, since I was in Europe, I could wear my Speedo everywhere. And uh, maybe that was one of the reasons why they didn't talk to me. Cause... Did you shave your legs? No, maybe <laughs> no. that's why. I don't yeah. know. No, but seriously, I think I kind of stood out being like tattooed, pierced American guy. But they just, it, it didn't seem like they were really into it. So nobody was buying the you're, that you were Canadian? No, and I was even wearing the Canadian flag shirt. Didn't work. <laughs> the Canadian flag shirt and your, uh, and your Speedos. But, we're, but I was walking around Greece, and I was just like, Jesus, dude. And I wonder, it's like, maybe, maybe like people from Greece or people from Europe come to New York or San Francisco. Like, wow, American girls are beautiful. But, dude, I seriously don't even think no, don't our think girls compare. Maybe in L.A. Maybe and in L.A. Maybe certain in parts of L.A., certain parts of New York City— Maybe. Maybe, but I mean, seriously, like walking in Greece, every single girl you'd see, there was at least nine. I mean, they're beautiful. I was I was thinking about this. Well, My, I mean, they've got the sun, they've got the healthy food. They've but they got, got the, the olive complexion. Yeah, and I was going like to say a, the genetic makeup of, you know, centuries of civilization, you know, uh, natural selection, that sort of thing. I, you know, I was thinking like the way I determine how attractive a girl is. By how willing I would be to honor their requests. I know I was mentioning this to you earlier, but 
This if is, I find this is, a girl, name, we need a name for this. It's going to be called the D Simon barometer test or of how Bar- yeah barometer yeah, okay. of how hot a girl is. Is how willing I'd be to honor a request, and I can honestly say this, no equivocation here. Greek chicks, I would let them sit on my face, bare assed and fill my mouth up with their flatulence. They could fart directly into my mouth. Like if a Greek girl was like, I want you to lay down on your back, I want to straddle your face, and I want to fill your mouth up with my flatulence, <laughs> I would have been like, okay, that's cool. You're talking about a full airtight seal with your mouth. My cheeks would be blown up like a blowfish. Well, it would probably come out your nose. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I mean, I was just thinking, like, if they asked me to do that, I would have been like... All right, that's cool. Whereas, like in San Francisco or Oakland, you know, if a girl asked me to do that, I'd be like, "No, I'm not going to do that." <laughs> and what's weird is, I thought, you know, I told some of these Greek girls, you know, that I'd be willing to let them do that, and they just weren't into it either. Yeah, I think maybe it's because I'm American. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I don't know. But I was, I was just like walking around, like, God, Greek chicks are beautiful. Yeah, and I don't think like, the barometer really has anything to do with them accepting your offer. It's purely your. Uh, it's my your standpoint of, yeah. of how you feel about them. Of how hot I thought they were. And same with girls in Madrid. I extend this to Madrid. Now, girls in England, no. <laughs> no, I mean, they eat too much fish and chips and, like, boiled pizza and whatever. But in, in Greek, dude, I mean, they're eating olives and, like, feta cheese. It, it would taste good. That's some good farts. But, I mean, <laughs> but even the, the, the aging Greek women, like the, the MILFs that you'd see walking around, you're like, God, just fart in my mouth, please. The you're just beautiful. Moms, yeah. So Athens, seriously, people out there, like uh, all our fans here in America, if you want to go see some hot chicks, go to Athens. But I guarantee you're not going to get laid. Like I went out one night by my, you know, I, a couple nights I just went out to go check out some bars, see, you know, check out the scene, and no Greek girls had talked to me at all. Not even one. I tried to strike up conversation probably like four or five times, not even once. Well, plus they have, the easiest way to blow a guy off is to pretend like you don't understand the language that he's speaking. So, or or another way is just like turn your back on them completely <laughs> and like walk away. Yeah, I yeah, I, I noticed that. I hate it but, when um, that happens. But yeah, but at least I got to go to Greece and uh, get a couple bottles of absinthe to bring back for uh, here in Sick and Wrong. But all in all, it w- it was a, it was an excellent vacation. It was long, three weeks. It kind of sucked to have to come back to work. But um, and it was an exceedingly long time to spend with my father. I mean, hey, I don't know when's the last time you hung out with a senior citizen that long. Probably never. It it was difficult, but all in all, I did have a wonderful time, and and it, it's good to be back here in the Sick and Wrong Studio and continue it's good to the have show. You back. Yeah, and um, yeah, it, it's just good, and and I'm glad that I we managed to do, still do a couple episodes, thirty seven, thirty eight. And um, yeah, thanks for P Town for uh, for doing that. Yeah, and uh, people, welcome back if he ever wants to come back. People, I'm gonna post some of the uh, pictures, a couple pictures I have on the uh, website. I got a great picture of this gaggle, like this group of Turkish retards in uh, Izmir. Now, seriously, like this van pulled up, a group of Turkish retards came out. They stood there for maybe five minutes and just got back in the van and left. But there's a pinhead. One of them was a pinhead. So I got a great picture of that. I also got a picture of this like deformed Turkish dude that tried to like attack me. <laughs> And uh, I think he was pissed I took his picture. But, I mean, I got a picture of that. And I got a picture of a great mullet at, like, some rune, like the Temple to Zeus or something in Greece. A Euro mullet. Uh, this, this is, like, an ideal Euro mullet. Yeah, wow. seriously. And so the epitome of Euro mullet. I'll have to post it on the website so people can check it out. And I got a picture of my dad holding up a box of Greek Imodium. So uh, maybe, maybe we'll put that up there, too. 
I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's good to be back here, sick and wrong. This is uh, episode 39, right? Podcast 39. That is correct. We're um, moving towards uh, podcast 50, and uh, we're going to have to do something special for podcast 50. Maybe we should have your dad come on. <laughs> tell talk, him, tell talk about washing out shitty underwear. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that might be a good idea. That might be a good idea. Well, um, I'm not sure who started it out last time, but um, people, as you know, the way Sick and Wrong works, we uh, comb the internet for uh, the most disturbing news items of the week. And uh, we compare them here on the internet, the audience votes, and the winner, of course, gets a case of beer. So I believe, Wackily, you're going to start it off this I'll start week. it off since you've been gone. I can, okay. I'll just I'm warm, a little out of practice. I'll warm the crowd up for you. So even though all this fucked up shit's been happening across the country and everywhere, I found another local Oakland story. Uh-oh. I don't know. You if always you... <laughs> have to get points for the Oakland stories. Yeah. It's hometown. It's just hometown. a crazy town. We have we've been talking in the last couple podcasts about how we're up to like 118 murders so far. And actually I just remembered that I was going to uh tally up all the major American cities to see where we ranked. But I'll have to do that next week. Uh, Simon, you'll have to remind me to do that. You, you know what's interesting, too, though? I was just thinking about this. Out of all these stories that we've done here on Sick and Wrong, we're at, like, what, 40, almost 40 podcasts. We've done, you know, at least, what, 80 articles. How many articles have been about Oakland? A good, good significant yeah, number. Yeah, a significant number. So, I mean, I think we do live in one of the most fucked up cities in the country. Well, I can't remember, but last podcast we were talking about this, I think it was like 112 and 113 murders had been uh, committed this year since January 1. I think we're up to 118 now. Hell yeah, ride that rocket. Well, and a lot of these are gang-related murders, which sometimes, I mean, it sounds bad, but you Still kind of discount because it's sort of, it's yeah, gang yeah, warfare. Yeah, it's gang it's warfare. like, you know, a murder in war or a death in war is not the same as just, you know, a random senseless violence type murder. But I do have some random senseless violence today. Sweet. I'm looking forward to it. Um, a former, uh, well, let me start over. <laughs> I don't want to start the article in the center. But uh, here are the facts of the case. Investigators say uh, Stevenson, a, a roofer in Oakland, uh, delivered a badly beaten uh, woman named Lan. That's her last name. I don't have her first name uh, highlighted here. So L-A-N. Earl, Steven Earl Stevenson and uh, Leslie Lamb. No, Lamb, as Lamb, in as Silence in like... of the Lambs. Oh, okay. Purely coincidental that she is named that, but it's a fortunate coincidence. Uh, he, so Stevenson delivered uh, uh, Shirley Lamb to uh, Oakland's uh, Highland Hospital in Oakland on the night of August 26th, where she later died. Ooh. When he, when he dropped her off, he told uh, the officials at the hospital that he had just found this woman in her car unconscious near his, uh, uh, the house that he lived in. However, when uh, the you know, medical officials and they, I'm sure they got some of the F Oakland's finest police officers involved, uh, started uh, investigating this woman's beating, and she she did die in the hospital a couple of hours after you dropped her off. Uh, they figured out that that story was kind of fishy, and that somehow they figured out that she had never been in the car that he said she was in. Uh, so <laughs> they went to catch this guy. Um, and he let I mean, them. Did they have his address? Like, how did they know? I mean, they. I think that I think he must have left his name when he dropped her off. Oh, okay. So he didn't do the thing that you know, 
Just I would probably do. Pulled you up just and just toss her out of the car and just take off. Speed yeah. off. But uh, so he ended <laughs> it's up because you're a successful serial killer. He ended up leading uh, police officers on a car chase through Oakland and Hayward, uh, which is you know it was probably like a 15 or 20 mile car chase. High before speed chase. They, yeah, they finally uh, they finally you caught. Call him. that the OJ. Yeah, the, he did the he pulled an OJ, but I think he was driving a little faster than OJ when he had you know the white Bronco. Um. So they catch the guy. Um, and they uh, served a search warrant at his home. They found a basement chamber, chamber, <laughs> that one of investigator, while refusing to provide a details. Basement chamber. This story's still pretty new. I'm sure these details would come out sooner or later. But while this policeman was uh, refused to provide details, uh, he said that the chamber was reminiscent of the Silence of the Lambs. And for those who don't know, this article goes on to say, the 1991 movie in which a psychopathic killer imprison, imprisons and skins his victims. <laughs> it puts the lotion on the skin. It's one of our running jokes here on Sick and Wrong. Yeah, we might have to put that video D- Did up. the guy have a bunch of moths flying around the house? No, I don't think he had any moths. <laughs> Was he making a fat lady jacket? <laughs> I think maybe that description is a little sensational because they don't get it going to any more details, like whether he had a well in the basement <laughs> And, you know, a basket. Yeah, with but lotion. the fact that you find a chamber in the guy's basement is, is reminiscent. Well, here of are some of, of the more gruesome and uh, uh, details that are just really bizarre and sick and wrong. So, blood from Lamb, this woman that he did drop off at the hospital, uh, was found on the walls as well as the blood of two other people. Ooh. And I, I assume that means two other people besides this guy. Because they would Whoa. say it was his So blood, two other right? victims. Two other victims. Police Ooh. have uh, not been able to identify who the other two people may, might Dude, be. Dude, he was probably making a fat lady jacket. Yeah, but uh, the uh, police say they, they're they they're in the process of trying to attempt to locate every woman uh, Stevenson has ever attacked in his life. <laughs> Which apparently are his two ex-wives that come forward and say, yeah, he used to beat the shit out of us. The guy was married, too. Oh, well, well, he had two ex-wives. This current woman was apparently his girlfriend. Dude, you know, this just goes to support that theory of, like, people like Ted Bundy, serial killers, they get a lot of ass. I, I just don't understand it. Seriously, I don't understand it. So okay, here's a, a picture D, of the a guy. Picture of the guy. He's got he's got yeah, one of those soaring eagles of the mullet. Family. Yeah, he's kind of he's got like rugged, you know, swarthy good looks there. He I looks mean, like a roofer. Does he? Yeah, he kind of looks like a roofer. He almost looks a little bit like Eric Bana. So yeah, this yeah. guy had no problem getting the ladies. And then look he was at that mullet, a, a gigantic you, asshole. And look at the mullet. I bet you. I mean, that's one surefire, like you know, hallmark sign of an asshole. Yeah. But, uh, man, this guy probably... has got an asshole haircut. And so I, I assume this house here is where the chamber was. Yeah, they have, we have a picture of the house, which is, is uh, your typical the, Oakland house. Is this blonde girl the victim? That is uh, Shirley Lamb, if that's what So that's the was. girl who probably was in the hole. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. Yeah. We'll have to post those pictures actually as part of the podcast so people can see them. So some more, uh, some more details. Uh, apparently, the doctors, at least in Shirley Lamb's case, they have determined that she was uh, beaten with a two by four Ooh. was her cause of death, severely. God, hit with a two by four. Um, and they also, I guess, have determined that it Smack was it with a lead pipe. It was a torture thing. It wasn't that he was just, you know, trying to like, you know, get a couple good blows and just do her in. Like they think that she was tied up and repeatedly beaten with a board over the course. So this guy's you know, a sadistic, yeah, several a sadistic hours. bastard. So it, yeah, it's definitely a torture, a torture scenario. murder scenario. Yeah. Uh, some more interesting things. Uh, his first ex-wife, who's one of the w- women who's came, come forward and said that you know, yeah, he used to beat the shit out of me. <clears throat> the reason their marriage uh, disintegrated not because he was beating her; she didn't leave because of that. 
She left because they were uh, they were busted for ha- running a meth lab in Butte County. Um, you know, it doesn't surprise me that this guy abused uh, methamphetamine. He got nine years in prison, and uh, the ex-wife actually got five years. <laughs> but she stayed. She goes on to state that she was glad to get five years because it meant she could get away from this guy. I guess she's never heard of, like, you know, packing up the car. And she's leaving. never heard of divorce? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Stevenson's father, Bert Stevenson, uh, is a former president of the Oakland chapter of the Hells Angels. Ooh. Although they do not believe that uh, this Earl Stevenson is a current member of the Hells Angels, but he obviously has some sort of connections there. Okay, so. Um, so because of that connection, you know, none of these neighbors, they all say that, yes, they've heard, uh, they always heard him yelling at his girlfriends, screaming matches, probably hitting his girlfriends, but none of them want to uh, give their names or testify in, in in court because they fear, you know, retribution so, so from, what the, do you from think the biker the, gang. What do you think the ex-wives, what do, you, what do you think his father thought about the chamber in the basement? I mean, did they think, oh, wow, you're building an extension to your house here? It was probably behind a false door or something. Oh, yeah, he probably did. He probably never even showed it to showed off. I think, no. if, I think if you see the chamber, you're fucked. But don't you think if you're living with a guy or his wife, you'd probably some, you know, happen upon the chamber in the basement and be like, okay, I want a divorce. <clears throat> Maybe. Maybe you yeah. don't go down there. Maybe that's his quote-unquote workshop. Well, we are we are dealing with meth-addicted white trash here. <laughs> not, the, not the most perceptive individuals. So I think that's all the uh, details I have on this one. So uh, they caught the guy, though, and he's uh, currently incarcerated, thank he's God. He's currently incarcerated, okay, good. but uh, you, know, you never know with the California legal system. He could be back out at any time. Like I said, the neighbors and uh, even the ex-wives, the, the second ex-wife doesn't want to come forward because she you know, fears for her life. So did they have to consult like another serial killer? You know, a really intelligent one to find his whereabouts. I don't think this guy was that sophisticated. (laughs) Was there a hot CIA agent that was uh, trying to track him down? Uh, Or FBI or whatever? Buffalo Bill in The Sons of the Lambs (laughs) didn't drop any of his victims off at the hospital. I think that was this guy's one uh, failure. That's his flaw there. You know, you you gotta actually... I I wonder if that guy was just like, as he's in prison, like, yeah, dude, they're comparing me to Sons of the Lambs. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. It's kind of cool that it's the girlfriend who died, her name is Lamb. Yeah. Odd coincidence. But what did, isn't that a little odd that he has a torture chamber, so he's definitely into inflicting abuse on women. Yes. But then why did he take her to the hospital? Did he feel bad? Did he feel bad for having a torture chamber? Was I don't it, know. I mean, maybe he had like that torturer's one. Torturer's remorse? Maybe he had like, yeah, a moment of remorse or clarity or something. It was just like, oh, Jesus. Because the, uh, I mean, the only other way is that he never expected her to die. And that he got freaked out that he thought she was going to die. And that's why he took her to the hospital. But that implies that. What about the other two victims? Well, yeah, that. Well, what I was gonna say, the other two victims, that brings that into question. Like, did he take them to the hospital, or did they die and they're just in a ditch somewhere? But if he didn't expect her to die, so his plan was just to beat her with a two by four, and then the next day be like, "I'm sorry, baby," like buy her, buy her a A six pack of Bud, (laughs) some chocolate, like a Santa bear, a puppy, (laughs) a puppy, a Mylar balloon. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Tell people you fell down the stairs (laughs) seventeen times. So on the sick and wrong scale, um, torture chamber in the home, multiple victims, a beating with a two by four. It's got to rank pretty high. I think I'm going to have to give that hometown story two. Yeah. At least a nine point six. Yeah, I'm going to give it a nine point. And the girl did die. 
I'm going to give it a 9.4 because he took her to the hospital. Yeah, that that definitely takes away a few points there. Yeah. Yeah. He had some compassion. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll let the audience vote on that. Sick and Wrong Podcast at Hotmail.com. Maybe we could get this guy to come on for the uh, 50th episode. Tell yeah. us all about it. I mean, he's uh, he lives in our hometown. Yeah. We could wheel him in in one of those Hannibal Lecter straight <laughs> with, the, with the, the mouth guard. guard. Yeah. <laughs> he's definitely going to have to wear a mouth guard if he comes to Sick and Wrong Studio. And yeah, I don't, so it's no beer. Yeah, no beer for that guy. Maybe. We don't coddle torturers <laughs> on the show. No, we don't condone that type of behavior here. All right, so um, let's move on here to my article. I don't know if I'm going to be able to compete with that, but I'm definitely going to uh, attempt. This is like your returning yeah, this is, glory. Yeah, this, this, yeah, this is uh, the return of D. Simon. Here to stick and wrong. <laughs> I know you've heard of my story here. My story has received uh, uh, overwhelming national publicity, national attention, worldwide national attention. Uh, It's one of the major news items of the past week here um, in the States. So uh, you you heard about the Amish school shooting, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. All over the paper. But I would, I have to admit, I would like to hear all the details condensed down into this format. You know, oftentimes we tend to avoid any uh, major news items that have kind of been saturated throughout the the, the media because it's like, you know what, oversaturation, we don't need to, you know, we, we like tend to go for the obscure. Right. But if a major news item was completely sick and wrong to the point where it, merits mention here on the show we have to do do it it. yeah we have to do it and this one is uh so sick and wrong that uh, i kind of had to do it so there's been a rash of school shootings there's been three school shootings this past uh week yeah we talked about one it was about past like two weeks a couple weeks ago there's one in colorado i think there's one uh somewhere else and uh there's this one with the amish here in pennsylvania but this one is the only one that involved amish so uh yeah I think that's significant. Probably the only Amish one the whole year, I would say. So, would um, of there's been many updated articles here as as uh, information has been unfolding. But um, so the fifth Amish girl died after being shot. This happened in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So for those of you who um, yeah, don't even have a television or you know can't afford the internet, and, those of uh, you who are Amish, yeah, those of you who are Amish, and uh, I'm sure subscribe to this program. Uh, what what happened here is a heavily armed truck driver. He was a milkman, actually, commercial milk truck driver, um, who prepared for a long standoff, barricaded himself in a one-room Amish schoolhouse. This is this past uh, Monday, killing five girls execution style before turning the uh, gun on himself and killing himself. Um, six other girls were bound and critically wounded in the attack. Uh, which police said appeared to be a revenge killing for an unspecified incident that occurred when the gunman was a boy. I'll get to that in a second. So the attack was the nation's was uh, the nation's third deadly school shooting in a week, which is kind of fucked up. So the gunman is a 32-year-old Charles Carl Roberts IV. Charles Carl Roberts IV. He listen to this. Listen to this arsenal that he brought into an Amish schoolhouse. Which, first of all. Just kind of surprises me. I was like, I don't know if this guy thinks he's like Rambo or Chuck Norris or something. You don't need this many weapons to, uh, you know, take to take over an Amish schoolhouse. I mean, I don't even think do they even have phones in an Amish schoolhouse? No, they do not. Yeah, so it's like you know, the chances of them having any kind of like, 
you know, defensive weaponry is uh, minimal. Actually, I take that back. I think they did have one phone because I think that's how cops were alerted to this. Maybe. I, you know, actually, actually, as a matter of fact, I read that the girl had to walk like a mile to alert the cops to find oh, a phone. So yeah. maybe I'm wrong. So uh, the gunman here, Charles Carl Roberts, carried three firearms, a shotgun, semi-automatic pistol, and a rifle. And he also had a stun gun, two knives, and a bag holding 600 rounds of ammunition. I mean, this dude was planning to fuck some shit up. Well, he was. Pl- I'm sure he- it sounds like he was planning for his standoff with the police. Yeah, I-, I-, I think he was planning something. He was also carrying an assortment of tools and other items, which I actually want to tell you what else he was carrying here in about a second. Um, he fancies himself a MacGyver. Yeah, including toilet paper, which led police to believe that he was prepared for an extended siege. <laughs> yeah, if you bring toilet paper, dude, you're you're planning. I mean, this guy was planning to shit there. I mean, he wasn't planning just to go in there for a couple hours. He was planning to move his bowels in that schoolhouse. Why else would he bring toilet paper? It's gotta be hard to you know withstand a police siege while you're in the toilet. <laughs> uh, dude, I don't know. You you know you're sitting there negotiating. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his toilet paper. I'd like a but how do you submarine the sandwich <laughs> and a. A helicopter <laughs> and a bottle of Pepto Bismol, please, please. I ate some Mexican food earlier. So uh, investigators also said that uh, Charles here um, had brought with him some other items here: flexible plastic ties, eye bolts, a piece of wood with um, little, I guess, holes for, uh, I guess, that could like hold somebody's wrist, like a stockade or something. Right. And a uh, a big. Um, container of lubricating jelly so I don't know if he was planning like an old-fashioned Amish orgy here but uh, he was definitely planning something so the shooting took place in uh, Lancaster County which is about 60 miles west of Philadelphia at a school run by the Amish community there are 26 students in the school Monday 11 of them were girls Um, apparently what happened is uh, Roberts drove a commercial milk truck he was not Amish he was not previously wanted by authorities. He had no other, like, no previous prior criminal history. He's a family man, right? He's just had a normal family. Dude, he had two daughters of his own. Yeah. And, he, yeah, he's a family man, married for 10 years. I mean, it's just, it's completely strange, completely random. But it also um, kind of supports my theory of never trust a milkman. Who? Never trust the milkman. Yeah, I know. I'm always suspicious of our milkman. Oh, yeah. wait. We don't have a milkman. Nobody <laughs> I know has, has a, milk a milkman. Man? You know who has milkman? Amish people. Yeah, but you know what, though? Amish people milk their own cows. So maybe that's why he was pissed at the Amish. <laughs> it was because, his one yeah. last maybe it's tar- like You're not buying milk tar- from me. You're milking your own cows, you motherfuckers. Well, who I don't the know. fuck has a milkman, then? I don't know. He was a commercial milk truck driver, so oh, he probably okay. drove so it to So he's delivering uh, it to the grocery store. Delivering it to store. grocery stores. So uh, I guess he had three children, and uh, he had left several rambling notes for his family along the lines of suicide notes. They didn't make much sense. Uh, apparently his wife tried to call him when she found the notes. He returned the call on his cell phone, telling her that he wouldn't be coming home that night. Surprise, surprise. And that he was acting out to achieve revenge for something that happened 20 years ago. How cryptic is that? You know, it's very cryptic. And plus, you wonder, like, what possibly could have happened twenty years ago to prompt you to take over, a, you know, a, a school of Amish little girls? Has anybody you know? decoded that message yet? 
Well, you know, what, what, what the fuck happened? I mean, did, did a bunch of Amish girls gang rape him with a rake or something? I think he's delusional. I think he thinks that something happened that is completely imaginary. Apparently, what he said happened, and he told his wife this later, is that he had molested two young girls. Um, when uh, He had molested two female relatives 20 years ago when he was a boy. So he must have been 12 years old at this point. And he was tormented by dreams of doing it again. <laughs> so I, I, I think that was uh, quite possibly. So he's enacting revenge for something that he did. Yeah, <laughs> for for something that he did. And he was yeah, he nice. was worried of doing it again. You know, the Amish normal people relations are just going down the tubes based on this. Dude, yeah, I, I think they're even going to further alienate themselves from our society now. I mean, or, this guy, this or guy we're, blew it we're, all. We're alienating, uh, you know, the Western uh, modern society from them. We're never going to be able to live in an Amish paradise. No. No. <laughs> we're going to have to play that Weird Al song in a second here. So the suspect called 911, made a declaration that the state police didn't leave the property. He would start shooting people within 10 seconds. So, I mean, could you imagine being the negotiator handling that one? Like, what would you do? I they, I don't have that job, so I don't know. They need Bruce Willis. Yeah. Or maybe Samuel Jackson. He now, would be able to do it. Have we talked about the, uh, well, yeah, this is completely a random relation, but uh, the, you know, our plan that we need like a uh, Snake Plissken type guy to go get Bin Laden. Yeah, yeah, like we mentioned that before. Like American badass. Well, I think in this situation, on a smaller scale, what they needed was the uber Amish badass, like a guy with two pitchforks <laughs> just and a like, giant beard <laughs> to like crash through the window and just, just badass you know. Jebediah with a pitchfork just yeah. wasting him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think two pitchforks because one he throws and like pins his arm to the wall, and then the other one, you know, he just beats him with the well, the, dude, the handle end of the pitchfork. Too bad though. I, you know, I, I you can you can dream all you want there, Wackerly, but I don't think there oh, are I any will. Amish badasses because they don't believe in violence. You could go to pennsylvania right now and start beating an amish person's ass and they're not going to do anything because they love thy neighbor they turn the other cheek yeah well they used to yeah i don't think so anymore. <laughs> i don't think so anymore so uh he made he made this declaration within seconds he just started firing in rapid succession you can only push the amish so far <laughs> yeah it i i guess what happened he just like started firing in rapid su- succession so now um prior to the attack what he did is he told students to line up in front of the blackboard he began to tie his female captive's feet he then let 15 boys in the classroom leave. He also allowed an adult female who was pregnant to leave with three other adult females who had infant children with them. One of them, a teacher that was released, called the authorities. And uh, that's how they ended up um, finding out about this. But what he did is when he started shooting is he uh, shot like five of the girls in the head, like execution-style murders, killing them instantly. And then he critically wounded like three others who um, ended up going into, I guess they, they were you know, brought to a hospital, but they died in the hospital. So um, this guy, eight kids, and then he shot, he turned the gun on himself. He managed to get one round off at police as they stormed the building, and then he just turned the gun on himself. So, um, but as they're trying to piece together what happened here and, uh, you know, trying to make sense of, the, of, the, of this massacre, um, they're saying that one of his suicide notes, other than the fact that he's claimed that he had molested these two girls 20 years ago, who they subsequently contacted and said they had no recollection of being molested by the guy. I told you, he's delusional. Yeah. Was delusional. Well, he also said in another note that he was haunted by the death of his prematurely born daughter, his uh, baby who died 20 minutes after being delivered. This is in 1997. Uh, quote, unquote, Elisa's death changed my life forever. 
I haven't been the same since. It affected me in a way I never felt possible. I am filled with so much hate, hate toward myself, hate towards God, and unimaginable emptiness. It seems like every time we do something fun, I think about how Elise wasn't here to share it with us, and I go right back to anger. So Anger at those damn Amish people. What yeah, does that I, have to do with I, anything? You know, I don't understand. It's like, okay, I understand you're so pissed off. Don't go try to kill a bunch of Amish little girls. Form a death metal band. Yeah. You know, I mean, seriously, the guy has so much anger. Heroin? Yeah, heroin. Heroin something. habit? But you, yeah. can, you can you can probably even keep your milk truck driver. That's an easy job. You could probably be a junkie and still do that. But yeah, it it uh, it, it it made no it made no sense. Well, so, it does make a little bit of sense. The but, guy is a gigantic pussy. And so what could be an easier Okay, a school is an already target, an yeah. easy target. An Amish school is like, you know, shooting a barrel fish in a barrel. Well, they he they claim those conveniences right by his house, and the guy like dropped his daughters off at at, at their elementary school on a bus. They went to their school, he kissed them goodbye, made then you, went made over, sure they had their got his truck and his munitions, and then went over and took over the school. So yeah, actually, in uh, in actuality, this guy was a big pussy, and um, I don't think he'll go down in infamy as being a badass like the Columbine dudes. I mean, people think about the Columbine kids. They're like, yeah, these dudes were too, um, you know, malcontents that just, like, shut up the school. This and, dude, and Amish girls. The Columbine kids were complete assholes, but they enacted their revenge uh, upon their tormentors. Yeah. Whereas this dude, I mean, was he tormented by the Amish girls? No, they had nothing no, to do with anything. Nothing to do with it at all. Yeah. And I guess it, like, forced a lot of unwanted media attention on the Amish. Yeah, who, there's nothing the Amish yeah. like more than having every news organization in the country. Like camping, camping out, out on out their, their farms. Their, yeah, yeah. Their farms. I mean, no that. barn raising this week. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I don't know. But there, there's been, I don't know if you've been looking in the news, there's been some great pictures from these Amish people. With the, with the beards, the Amish beards. Well, beard. I did hear, uh, uh, speaking to your point you made earlier, the Amish people there actually invited this guy's wife be- to come and ha- like come to the grieving ceremony yeah, or whatever. Yeah, to help them mourn. I mean, dude, she's in shock, too. Yeah, it's it's definitely a pretty rather disturbing disturbing uh, bit of news here. But uh, finally, I just want to end it here. Um, I guess this, this attack bore resemblance to an attack on a high school in Bailey, Colorado, which just happened about a week and a half ago, where a 53-year-old man took six girls hostage, sexually assaulted two of them before fatally shooting one girl and killing himself. Yeah. And uh, the attack occurred last Wednesday, which was the day after Roberts began buying materials for his siege. So do you think... He found out about that and was just like, fuck, Stole dude. my thunder. Stole my thunder. I mean, what the fuck? And so do you think he was just kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to one-up you. I'm going after Amish. You know, I mean, you went after a normal high school girls. I'm going after Amish. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I-, I wonder about that. But um, all in all, uh, yeah, it's a pretty fucked up circumstance. And uh, one of the detectives here said that uh, they're quite certain, based on what they know, that uh, he had no intention of coming out of here alive. So he was planning on barricading himself in there. Hence all the ammunition. And yeah, I mean, he had, and the lubricating jelly. I, you know, I don't know. This guy <laughs> okay. was definitely planning something. He was definitely planning the something. TP. So on the uh, sick and wrong scale, I think I'm going to have to give that pretty high. I mean, five girls, Amish girls, little girls. I mean, these girls were like aged like five and six were murdered. Three more critically wounded. The dude brought lubricating jelly with him. So he's obviously a pervert. Didn't he have a big box of dildos? Yeah, well, actually, he didn't have dildos, but he had a. Uh, it wasn't. I don't know dildos. where I heard that. Was, I think maybe in your fantasies there, Wackerly. <laughs> I don't think he had dildos. Maybe that's what I heard. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It would have been a good uh, asset to the story. But on the second wrong scale, I'm gonna have to give this at least a nine. Just a nine. 
Yeah, what, do you, what do you have against Amish people? Dude, I mean, I don't know. I guess he did kill five girls. Okay, I'm raising it. 9.8. Yeah, I was going to give it a 9 point. I think that's a 9.9. I think if you go back and look at our other 9.9s, this story ranks right up there with them. Not it's that pretty I, high. Not that I me- my memory high. is any type of good that I could uh, remember what those other stories were, but I'm pretty sure this ranks right with them. Yeah, it's definitely pretty high on the sick and wrong scale. And I would like to end, after I get my 9.9, by saying, fuck Milkman. Yeah, I'm never going to trust them again. I never will. I never will. But we invite you to vote here, Sick and Wrong Podcast at uh, Hotmail.com. Well, I think it's only fitting here to uh, end the show with Weird Al's Amish Paradise. But um, until next week, uh, it'll be, what, Podcast 40? Yeah, it will. Yeah, take it sleazy. As I walk through the valley where I harvest my grain I take a look at my wife and realize she's very plain But that's just perfect for an Amish like me You know I shun fancy things like electricity At 4.30 in the morning I'm milking cows Jebediah feeds the chickens and Jacob plows Fool and I've been milking and plowing so long that Even Ezekiel thinks that my mind is gone I'm a man of the land, I'm into discipline Got a Bible in my hand and a beard on my chin But if I finish all of my chores and you finish thine Then tonight we're gonna party like it's 1699 We've been spending most our lives living in an Amish paradise A churn butter once or twice living in an Amish paradise It's hard work and sacrifice living in an Amish paradise We sell quilts at discount price living in an Amish paradise A local boy in the butt last week I just smiled at him and I turned the other cheek I really don't care in fact I wish him well cuz I'll be laughing my head off when he's burning in hell but I ain't never punched a tourist even if he deserved it and Amish with a two you know that's unheard of I never wear buttons but I got a cool hat and my homies agree I really look good in black fool if you come to visit you'll be bored to tears we haven't even paid the phone bill in 300 years but we ain't really quaint so please don't point and stare we're just technologically impaired there's no phone no lights no motor car not a single luxury like robinson Crusoe, it's as primitive as can be we've been spending most our lives living in an amish paradise we're just plain and simple the buggy, churning lots of butter, raise the barn on Monday, soon I'll raise another. Think you're really righteous? Think you're pure in heart? Well I know I'm a million times as humble as thou art. I'm the pious guy the little omelets wanna be like on my knees day and night scoring points for the afterlife. So don't be vain and don't be whiny or else my brother I might have to get medieval on your hiney. We've been spending most our lives.